All right, loyal listeners, all two of you, <laughs> welcome to episode four of the Memory Core. Wait, is it only episode three? Is Am it I... three? Yeah, it's, yeah three. it's three. We're on three. All right, <laughs> we're so professional. Um, so yeah, I think I wanted to open up with uh, kind of maybe a little bit of a detour here for a second. You know, for me, you know, here it is. It's November 22nd, 23rd, 22nd, 22nd. You know, it's actually a really nice day outside. It's about 58 degrees Fahrenheit. The leaves are finally falling from the trees. Um, You know, something about fall for me, because I don't know. I can I remember the exact time you discovered Battletech and really got into it. Um because I know you watched the cartoon. Yeah, it was from the cartoon. And then I got, I actually didn't get fourth edition until after I got uh, Mech Commander. Okay. Yeah, so for me, it was a cartoon. And then one of my friends in my neighborhood discovered that not only was, you know, the cartoon, right? But the, the cartoon was also a board game. Because we, we didn't hear, there, none of the commercials talked about Battletech, the board game. And so he found a copy of City Tech. Um, and then I found a copy of Battletech, had my parents buy it. And then, you know, from there, uh, got my hands on the original TRO 3025. And this was like right before the whole unseen litigation happened with Harmony Gold. So 94, 95. Um, and I remember in fall, you know, September, October, November, you know, you know, after school coming home and flipping through, Battletech stuff over and over and over again. And uh, so for me, you know, a lot of times, you know, fall is like, oh, yeah. You know, man, I remember being like 10-year-old kid in Battletech. Fuck yeah. Mine was like, oh, it's too cold outside. So, yeah. I'm going to go in and just play MechWarrior 2 for yeah. hours. So, yeah. So so this and this time of the year is really, you know, for me, it's like in my brain, it's like prime Battletech season. Um you know, coming home from school. Uh, and I remember there's a really cool piece of art in the third edition box set rule book of a Phoenix Hawk with what I assume is a setting sun uh, in between a bunch of trees that are either burnt or they've probably just lost their leaves. So fall on some other planet. And it might have been done by Earl Gear or Gear, gear. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but I think it's gear. Gear, but yeah, and I I know like a lot of his stuff is kind of like off model, and um, proportions can be kind of kind of wacky, and some people really don't like it. But I think what what strikes me about Earl's work is that um, there's a lot of grit and character behind it. Like the machines are all kind of beat up. You can see like little dents in the armor plating. Like they've they've been through some stuff, and that sort of depth. And dimension um, really struck me about a lot of early Battletech artwork, uh, and uh, you know like that Phoenix Hawk to me kind of sticks out to me this day, and it, its association with fall and my introduction to Battletech and spending you know hours slipping through the TRL thirty twenty five. Yeah, I did the same thing with the fourth edition box. Um, I think most of the art in fourth edition was done by was it Baxa? It might have been yeah on it yeah because yeah, I know he did the Atlas cover art too. Right, he did yeah mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, so, you know, that kind of gets into kind of something that we've been wanting to talk about for a while. And that is sort of you know, the artwork of Battletech. And, you know, we're obviously in this 
era where with the Kickstarter, we're getting a lot of, of redesigns um, for better or for ill. And this is something that Dan in particular has been wanting to talk about for a bit. Yeah, for a while. I, you know, on the same breath of what you're talking about, because you got introduced with third edition and you were referencing your Phoenix Hawk, because I know the Phoenix Hawk is probably one of your favorites mm -hmm. because of that art too. But that's why the Assassin's like one of my favorites. Cause it, because it, it fourth yeah. edition, that epic picture with it just standing with like the fire behind it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember the artist that did it. I think it was Baxa, but it goes hand in hand with like even uh, Greer. Like the art is just, it has something to it mm -hmm. that just draws you in. And you spend a lot of time even going through the fluff and looking at those pictures and just appreciating it. Right. In detail. You know, you look at how many things, you know, we get influenced by that, um, you know, pulls you in. I, and I remember watching, say, like Maximilian Dude on YouTube uh, on his fighting game channel and talking about like one of the things that really draws him in about a character is how that character looks. And, even if that character's gameplay style is it's not terrible. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's like not up your alley. Right. You, you kind of want to try and make them work and, and you might not be able to, it might just be like, Oh, I just hate this. But, uh, sometimes, you know, a really good character design like, really pulls you in. And, um, I know this is kind of a sensitive s subject. Yeah. I, I really wanted to talk about art. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. aesthetics. Because, uh, you know, we're, I'm, 84 was my birth year. 84, 85. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 84. 84. So we've, or 85, we've, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, for some reason, I was thinking of my wife's birthday. <laughs> so we've, we've, we've been around for stuff. You know, we've, we've seen stuff. Um, and we know what delays are. Yeah, we know what delays are. But, we, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, huh, you know, we've seen things redesigned for better or for worse and things not last and i don't think it's just simply nostalgia or you know us going to kind of being around and, and pulling things along with us i think that redesigns can be really uh, a, a double-edged weapon yeah, real quick like nostalgia is a word that gets thrown around a lot with this yeah like it it drives me nuts because sometimes i feel like when there's any kind of critique nostalgia is the first thing to come out of someone's mouth and that's not necessarily where we're coming from it's not fair you know because I, I feel like nostalgia okay you know one of the, one of my favorite cartoon properties i had when i was growing up was the transformers um thundercats was up there gi joe was up there the thundercats was probably more along the lines of like an actually you know well-written show i think when you get to the transformers for example and yeah, I, I mean, I love the Transformers. Like Transformers Beast Wars is probably one of the best, you know, television series written. Um, and you can get upset or you can complain about how clunky the, the 3D animation is. It was one of the first shows that did that and probably took a lot of computing power. But that show was really, really well written. When you get to the original Generation 1 Transformers, you run into this problem where this was in an era when the Reagan administration said it was okay to market to kids. <laughs> and we got a lot of really cool cartoon properties out of that and a lot of really good memories and a lot of really good toys. But the original G1 Transformers was there for one reason. And even if the writers had a good idea on how to tell a story, it didn't matter. They because were going to sell toys. They were going to sell toys. And that means if that scene demanded three characters, that scene got seven characters because that was four more toys you could sell. Yeah, like Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles, yeah. <laughs> Which apparently, and it's one of those, I haven't read it yet, but you know, Ninja Turtles was originally like, a hyper violent comic book series before it became a cartoon. 
Yeah. You, you know what's crazy too? Like if you even think about like the Battletech cartoon, it makes sense why it probably didn't get past its first season because the writing for the show itself, like I think was actually pretty good. Yeah. But it's, if, if you're hearing that, that's my heater in the background because we're in my basement. Um, but like if you think about it, if they were looking at it from like a toy marketing perspective, look at, they've only sell. used a couple models yeah. from the Battletech universe for that. And it was probably pretty expensive to prototype. So that's probably why it didn't make it beyond one season. Yeah. Um, should we move to where it's not? Yeah, so we're going to give us one second. We're going to scoot over. Yeah. I know the last time we were talking in my basement, it was actually... Um, it wasn't so cold outside, so we didn't have to worry about the heater or the air conditioning turning on. Now we do, so yeah. lesson learned. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, so you know, we're in this, yeah, that's probably one of the reasons we have why, why Battletech didn't do very well, and I don't think it's one something that was really mentioned. I don't know if you guys were ever members of uh, Mech Force North America. They had a, a magazine that came out quarterly for members, and, and they had a, a trial refusal in there between Brian Neistall and some of the other developers for the cartoon show. Godzilla. Um, but, you know, really when it comes down to it, I think the show, which is a whole other podcast worth discussing, is, you know, the, the actual the, the merits of the show. Um, of course, and the limitations behind the budgeting, but uh, before we get too off track, um, yeah, I mean, so you think nostalgia is throwing nostalgia against the tradition of the old artwork, I think is, is a... It feels cheap and it feels like a, a cop out because, um, like I said, like nostalgia is looking at the old Transformers cartoon and saying it's the best fucking thing. When in reality, it, it it's it really, really not. The toys are great, but it was a toy commercial. But in the same breath, you could look at Michael Bay's Transformers movie and you could say, you know what? Maybe it was inspired by the '80s cartoon because that's pretty terrible too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And granted, you know the Transformers uh, movie was great, and there were great that not Michael Bay's the nineteen eighty four. Yeah, I know what you um, meant. <laughs> and there were some really great episodes of the Transformers, but yeah, like as a whole, like the 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 show was was yeah just a cartoon, uh, was just a uh, a commercial. Um, you know, we were you know Dan and I were both around and, and cognizant of the nineties and comic books in the 90s and what ended up happening with comic books at least at least tacitly if you, if you weren't an active comic book reader you know because in the 90s you know image came out and you get you know all these artists that were you know, relatively talented artists um, and I mean the talent was pretty variable right it could either be like you know the guy who did uh, did Spawn and he did Spider-Man before he did Spawn that's how we kind of really made it big Todd, uh, Todd McFarlane yeah, McFarlane yeah um or you have Rob Liefeld, who cannot draw feet to save his life. Um, I mean, it's not that you're like shit on Rob Liefeld too much because he is a better illustrator than I am. But I can look at what he's done and and, and critique it. You can, yeah, you can still provide critique. Um, but you know, everything in the '90s, you know, there was that whole thing with Image and like all those characters that came out, and they all had that very kind of stylistic. There was that cultural milieu, and it, it seeped its way to everything, and you get. You know, bandoliers and pockets on everything, and swords for some reason have not double edged, but like it's a katana that has two blades <laughs> attached. <laughs> and um, which would be cool to own. Everything's like really gritty, everything's kind of over the top. It, everything is at 
there's this great YouTube thing of like Stan Lee talking with like Rob Liefeld and I think Todd McFarlane is they're like creating a character right in front of Stan Lee and the character's name is Overkill and it's, it's so <laughs> 90s and even like the symbol like his symbol is like in the O it's a bullseye and it so perfectly encapsulates the 90s and he's got shoulder pads and pockets everywhere and guns that are way too big and hips that are way too small and um you know, not that heroic proportions are problematic, um, but like it was so, it was to a, it was almost a parody of itself without knowing it. And um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that really hasn't changed that is still looked on fondly and, and still does, does great. And I mean, you could say, you know, the Star Wars X-wing is just, you know, maybe it's like the perfect design, and it just doesn't really ever need to be changed, and somehow it's timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I guess there's a lot of a lot of BattleTech artwork between different illustrators not everything is like perfectly on model and what I mean by like on model is that you know if you're doing a cartoon show someone came with a model for the character and whoever is the head animator who does like every three or four or five cells of animation will will illustrate a character on model and then you have these sort of you know uh, lackey animators that fill in the frames behind or in between the movement that the, that the key animator does. And so things need to be kind of on model so you know what's going on. And so if you look at like Dragon Ball Z, you can tell like who the illustrator is or the key animator is because sometimes it, it varies wildly off model. And like there's a whole arcs where, especially the Cell series, where the art is absolutely terrible. Like it looks really, really bad because it's just this key animator just did whatever the fuck he wanted. It wasn't on model. And so you see that, and it can be pretty variable. But you you recognize a Warhammer when it's a Warhammer, and a Marauder when it's a Marauder, even though it may not be perfectly on model. Um, but I don't know some of the stuff that we're kind of switching over to. I've got concerns about, and when you critique it, yeah, yeah. How how much change is actually good? Hmm. Right, and how how bad are things actually like? I, you know, I get, like, people want good miniatures to paint. And yeah, totally. Totally, yeah. I mean, we want exciting, good-looking miniatures. And some of them could probably definitely use... Some of them could definitely use an update. Yeah. But, you know, hey, well, okay, one, get good. Like, <laughs> you know, because I see some of the stuff that people post, and it's like, look, man, it's not the miniature, it's you. <laughs> We're gonna, I, get, we're I gonna will get so say, much fucking hate for this. I, I'm definitely not the best painter. I am not, but you can, and I'm kind of defending myself here, you can do a nice, quick, and dirty paint job on a miniature and still have it look presentable. You know, like you just, you have to follow. I mean, it's not like the instructions aren't there, it's not like you don't have friends that do it too. But it it's not too hard. I mean, the other thing I will say, like, reposing goes a long way, too, which is why I think a lot of the new plastics coming out are doing a lot better, because they have the advantage of being able to put them in more dynamic poses. Yeah, the way yeah. They're, they're producing it. I think some of them vary a bit, don't they? Uh, they might. I, I thought I... I'm not sure, because a lot of them, are, they're actually multi-parts, and they're glued together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like the the ones for the new BattleTech box set, um, 
I, I, you know, I mean, people are very quick to shit on Ironwood Metals, and I think it's really unfair because the Battletech is such a huge product line that, you know, so like every sculpt costs probably about $800 to $1,200 to produce currently, you know, in, in 2019 dollars. And, you know, for, for Iron Wind to, to do a whole revamp the line, you know, there's a question of, are people going to actually buy those miniatures? Um, and a lot of the new miniatures that Iron Wind Metals put out has been, have been, one, gorgeous or, and, and very favorably reviewed. I mean, I didn't, people were crazy excited about the Primitive Emperor and a lot of the stuff that's come out. And, I mean, yes, yes, in the early 2000s, there have been a lot of clunkers that were put up by Iron Wind and quality control was all over the place. Um, do you think that was between the transfer of like lead and pewter that maybe kind of uh that was that was uh after was it but I, I think it was you know the gaming industry is not the healthiest it's been um there's a lot more properties available but it's diluted all the the dollars for companies and so that's a factor too um but the, the 2000s was a pretty dark era that's when MMOs were coming out and everyone was playing World of Warcraft. Um, but it, it takes money to, to, to revamp stuff. Um, but, you know, people complain about, like, old artwork and things looking ridiculous and silly. And I just, I wonder, will we be saying the same thing about our current stuff, like, in 10 years? And this is not to give Alex Iglesias a hard time, who did a lot of the work for or did almost all the work for MechWarrior Online that a lot of people really enjoy. But for me, you know, having grown up with Mecha and like giant robots, I mean, even I look at the stuff from MechWarrior Online and then stuff that made it into the Battletech PC game. And I'm like, man, everything looks the same. You know, they did the whole, for the Kickstarter, like the big camo specs guide. And you look yeah. through it and like, I, I you know, I, I, I when you're when you don't have like the really cartoony bright colors and clean lines of the old designs, like I mean, you don't really see anything. You know, it's it's funny because originally I didn't I didn't necessarily agree with you on that. Yeah. But when they were putting out the early trailers for heavy metal, I swear to God, I thought the javelin was the assassin the first time I saw it. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> not at all alike, but yet they just it it has to do with like. I don't know if it's just the aesthetic he's going for that's doing that or because there's just so much detail on them that it, it just starts to lump everything in the same category per weight class. Yeah. I don't know if it maybe has to do with the scaling too. It might. I mean, it's kind of a, it's a catch 22. I mean, you get so detailed, you know, do you lose a force to the trees? I mean, how many armor panels are you going to put on these guys? Um, how many spiky bits? Yeah, how much do you actually need? But like, I look at, yeah, you know, especially when you're doing these things for tabletop, right? I mean, if if the BattleTech scale was larger, it'd be different. Um, and it's kind of one of the tricky things about doing things like painting camouflage or other details on on these, you know, one in what's so what's the scale like two eighty five or two fifty six or something like that? I, no, it's two eighty five, I believe. Yeah, you one in two eighty five. You know, you're there's only so much you can cram onto a model uh, and make it appreciable, right? Um, but yeah, I just, I, when, I, when I looked at that camo specs guide and I was just like, 
Man, I don't know. I just it, it, nothing pops. All the colors are muted, and, and... well, try, try doing this. If you if you can if you look at um the new one that we got opposed to the original. Oh, it's great! Yeah. It's great because you can see exactly what these colors are. That, that's what I'm trying to they say. Stand like, out in the original, like yeah, you know, it was old like clunky art, but you can actually make out the details like the colors are vibrant and you know yeah. like okay this is what i'm going for right right <laughs> well and, and it's one of those things like okay yeah it does can you actually camouflage a, a 30 foot 36 foot tall war machine and i mean you probably could depending on the terrain without too much issue especially if you use some like the horizon paints and you know it, the you, know, you could tell you know sensors will pick something up it doesn't really matter but no, I mean, it kind of does. I mean, especially if you're in urban warfare or something like that. You know, anything you can do to kind of confuse the outlines of your Mac and the silhouette so it's harder to target um, by eye is, is probably good. We were coming to like, it's like parade schemes. Like, why would you not make them pop? You know, why would you not make them really vibrant and colorful and exciting? You know, why would you not? You know, this gets into the whole fucking... Zack Snyder DC universe thing <laughs> like all the colors are muted why is Superman's uniform shit blue right I, I don't know if we should make any comparisons between the new art and colors and everything to to that mm. <laughs> it might yeah. seem a little little unfair but yeah I just you know it's, it's one of those things that people got really upset and, and people seem to get upset about like a lot of stuff with with Battletech and I'm it's the same in every every property everywhere but it just seems really noticeable in, in Battletech because people don't accept reality, you know? And this is something that, you know, I could, you know, there's plenty we're, of We're so quick forum. to, there are people who are so quick to complain about realism, but at the same time, like, what are we all playing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just, you know, you know I guess this, this does feel kind of a slapdash and we'll kind of get more to the point in art. But, you know, you look at everything with MechWarrior 5, um, you know, I'm not a MechWarrior online player. I've never played it. Um, but I mean, at least the trailers from the game look, look okay. Look, look, like I, I would play it and I'd probably enjoy it. You know, for at least one or two playthroughs and then I'd probably be done with it. But you know, I, it's probably worth getting. People really lost their fucking minds when it went to the Epic game store instead of Steam. Because why? Because it's inconvenient. Yeah. Well, it goes back to, I mean, if you look at the the generation we are, when we started with games, do you remember this thing you used to do? You would go to a store like Babbage's and you would buy a physical copy of yeah, something yeah. and you wouldn't worry about logging onto the internet to run your damn game yeah. or update it <laughs> until like later. But mm. even then it was all manual. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean people, people got really pissed off because they, they somehow felt betrayed. And I get it that maybe they didn't do a, as good a job handling the transition. But, you know, one of the things to keep in mind is that no MechWarrior game, no MechWarrior game was ever developed in a perfect ecosystem. And no MechWarrior game, every MechWarrior game had a tortured development cycle. Every MechWarrior game. MechWarrior 2, MechWarrior 3, MechWarrior 4, even the first fucking MechWarrior yeah. game. I think that was more of a product of the times, though. Well, if you hear any shuffling, it's because we're switching chairs. But, like, with, with MechWarrior 5, I mean, Piranha Games, as a studio, is kind of in trouble. And there are reasons for it, and some of them more valid than others. But 
Epic Games came to him and said, hey, we'll give you a bunch of cash to make this exclusive. And I'm sure the guys at Piranha were like, this is the life of our company. This is how we keep people on the payroll. And you, you got to figure they just went through that lawsuit, too. Right. Right. That was a lot of money. And I don't know how much money they actually got out of that. If it was just like everyone just pays for their own legal fees, I'd have to review the uh, the, yeah, the I don't records. remember. I was like, but was like, like if it's a choice between staying alive or not, and it's not like they're selling out in the sense that MechWarrior 5 is going to be a different game than what they were planning. It's going to be the same fucking game. But it's like, I don't The reaction from people is just really disappointing. Like, come on, guys. We're all adults. And it's from people who are in their 20s and 30s, too. And it's the worst. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, the guys at Piranha posted a bunch of Halloween. Like, they had a Halloween party. And people were shitting on them on Facebook. <laughs> like, <laughs> does this mean MechWarrior 5 is going to be released tomorrow or something? And uh. like, these guys are just assholes. Like, it's a fucking Halloween party. Let them enjoy themselves. You know, and like, <laughs> do you do you assholes work eighty hours a week? No, you don't. Do you, do you suppose this is how we sound when we complain about the new art? We probably maybe a little bit. Maybe, maybe a little bit. <laughs> well, just to be a little fair. <laughs> well, I guess I just. Well, and we'll get into that in more detail in a bit. <laughs> yeah, and, and like with the, the the way people complain about stuff, and and you know, a lot of people have talked about you know, BattleTech needs to be updated and. You know, I mean, for me, I mean, it would have been cool to see a bunch of new miniatures come out, maybe some cleaned up artwork, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, slightly, you know, new versions of it rather than like full like refreshes that we've been getting. Um, but one of the things I remember talking about this on the, on the fora is like, look, you can talk about this and how you want it in plastic and everything, but it's not, it's not easy. And, you know, Catalyst doesn't have the money to do this. You can't just be, you know, art has been consistently said to be the most expensive part of any production, whether it's a scenario book, a source book, or a, or a box set. You know, art is the most expensive part, and you can't just walk in and expect them to do it. But then again, none of us expected a Kickstarter. So the Kickstarter was like, it's new information. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? In regards to, I know how they have Scroggins as like their art guy now. I guess the big advantage to that is because now the art is going to be more consistent. It's probably going to be a lot cheaper and easier for them. True, true. To deal with it. So that's one advantage. Well, he has the Patreon. And Which is probably, probably went so well for 3025 back then because it was just loose doing the art. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and hey, to be fair, right? I mean, remember TRO 3050 and 3055? Like, especially 3050, there were only really a handful of mech designs out of the clan ones that actually looked good um, as line art in that book. Like, the Wolfhound, the Warhammer, uh, the Battlemaster, really. But, I mean, once you get beyond that, I mean, a lot of them look really bad. I mean, I'd argue the Oss actually look a little bit better in that book than in... Oh, 3025. 3025, yeah. Yeah, I can see, like, the Ostrock actually has arms now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, but I mean, art's the most expensive part. And, you know, they went back and then when they did 3055 again, I mean, they did that consciously knowing that 3055 was the weakest TRO in terms of artwork. And when Plog did a lot of the stuff in 3055, I mean, it was like a real, real big turnaround. Like a lot of those designs look spectacular. Um, but was, you know, that the, was it that one or was it a uh, 58? A 58 was still loose. It was still they, loose. They went back to loose for 3058. Um, 3060 
and 68. Yeah, 60, was, was 60 and beyond was where, to me, it started getting a little weird. Yeah, some of the designs were pretty clunky. Like, I really like the Enforcer 3, but then you compare that to the Jaeger Mech 3, or you compare that to the Yeoman. Yeah. And I think that there's a good Jaeger Mech 3 on that design, based on that design somewhere. Like, you can make it work. You know, like maybe thicken up the legs, thin out the torso a little bit. Like you can do it. You can do it. But yeah. Yeah, just repose it. <laughs> yeah. Paint it up like Master Shake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about doing it. I think someone actually did that. Um, I have to find it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, like going through all the artwork again, I mean, it's probably not a bad idea. I mean, I guess when you really think about it, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of, game companies have had, you know, new miniatures or redesigns. I mean, one of the things to, to keep in mind is that Ironwind Metals, before it was Iron Wind, was Ralph Partha. And they were the miniature producers for Dungeons and & Dragons. And Iron Wind has been bringing those miniatures back for their uh, Chaos Wars line, which is pretty cool. And, I mean, they're a bit smaller. They're, they're true 25 millimeter uh, in scale. And or maybe it's twenty eight millimeter, nah, whatever. Um, but a lot of those classic miniatures, I think, are really nice because they're detailed but not overly detailed. They've got a lot of charm. They got a lot of character. Um, but I know a lot of people really prefer, you know, what to like Reaper's been doing with their Bones line and and their current Pathfinder miniatures. Um, but I just, I know New Art's kind of a double edged sword, and you look at to like. Well, I don't know what. So, what out of what, what Scroggins has done? What what sticks out for you? That's been really good. If I had to, so are we going to talk about the unseen, or are we going to stick with? We can do it all, man. We, I mean, okay. Well, so I mean, we can do we'll it chronologically, start, right? I mean, yeah. Start from so the beginning. My, if I had to say my favorites for me, and this is where the whole nostalgia argument comes in, because when I got into the game, I got in on fourth edition, so I didn't really. I don't really have an attachment to like your Warhammer and Battlemaster and all of them. Mm -hmm. So to me, the new scene, I guess is what we're calling them. I think they're all great. Yeah. Yeah. I love them. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit, I'm mixed on the Crusader, but that was, that's like his like second go around with those guys, but the rest of them are, are pretty solid. But you know, again, for me, like I, I do like the Crusader because you know, that I didn't know, really the original miniature yeah like everybody else did yeah and i i feel like the crusader is really damn good yeah like I, I think it'll clean up nicely and everything when you paint it now as far as the clan designs yeah 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 now i'm a fan of mccoyer too and obviously everything's blocky in there and but the thing for me was i always loved the original line art and how everything would interchange and you could basically make your own designs and that was even pushed in the old royal power um because i mean yeah the omni mech boxes like even when they advertise like they have like the what was like one of them the mongrel or something like that it was like a like a man of war torso with like warhawk legs and i feel like with with Scroggins, he kind of, I don't know if he, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I'm not trying to, like, bash the guy because I. Oh, I will. I love, no, don't worry. Yeah, I'm not going to really. Do I, that. I do yeah. like, I do like what he's doing and what yeah. he's there for. And I think he does, a, like, very good work. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that I can't criticize it. Yeah. So 
the parts for the Omnimax don't look like they mix with each other anymore. Right. right. Which like the weapon systems and everything. Yeah, and I don't I don't want to say it's necessarily nostalgia because if he kept that aesthetic between the original Omnimax mm-hmm. and used like the new parts that he's putting on it, I would like it. Yeah. But you know, even the other thing that kind of threw me off too was having the Nova with hips. Yeah. Yeah. And I I could kind of look past that. And when it originally came out, like I, I was totally against it because it it didn't really look like a Nova to me anymore. But that, you know, I'm trying to like look at it from a non-nostalgic point of view. So I, I guess I could look past it. But the one that really hits me the most is the Stormcrow mm-hmm. because of how buff the arms are now. Yeah. It doesn't have that like bird look that it used to have mm-hmm. that the old one. Like, yeah, you know, the stubby hands, he could have probably changed it to that. But I feel like if he did something as simple as taking the gun barrels and putting it back over the hands, it would look more like a Stormcrow. And you can't necessarily argue like, oh, well, they're going to be easy to mod or do that. Because I, I do know how to mod miniatures, but I shouldn't have to do that. Yeah, I um, I, I think what's interesting is that, you know, he, he throws up uh, a new line art. And Anthony is a, is a very talented illustrator. And he's got a good eye for proportions and things. Um. And, you know, not everything he does has to be a home run, right? Like, it's a job, right? Like, something's just going to be done to be done. Um, Marauder 2. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, not, not everything does has to be awesome and perfect. I mean, it just it has to look good enough. Um, because the dude still needs to get paid. And it's clear that he does have a thing for the universe. Um, but... You know, some people are, are fawning over things he's done that have been like really minor changes. Like, like oh, the new direwolf looks so great. I'm like, it's basically the same, but he changed an angle on the torso. Yeah, like, he just cleaned it up. Like, really, it's like it's just you know, um, those are the ones I think he really won on. Now, the the only one, and again, this is where nostalgia comes in. Like, I could totally be a grog about the original executioner, but my God, do I love what he did with the new one. It looks really good. I really like the gargoyle. I oh yeah. You know um, even even uh, like the summoner. I think the ones that have like the humanoid look are the ones like he's really yeah. really doing good with. But there's I mean there have been some things I think I think what just kind of gets to me is that some of these tweaks are so minor and and people are basically ready to ejaculate all over him. <laughs> is that is that something we could put on YouTube? Oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's going up now. <laughs> People are just ready to just just like come in their pants at some of this stuff. And the tweaks are really so minor. It's like, why are you bitching about the old miniatures then? Because the tweaks are so minimal, you know? And it's like the ones that he's really straight away from are the ones that I really like. Like, eh. You know, or like the new Highlander, right? You know, we just got a new sculpt for the Highlander a few years ago. And the new sculpt for the Highlander is amazing. I mean, it's, it's really, really good looking that Iron Wind put out. I mean, it's top of the line stuff across any miniatures company. So then what's the point of spending all this time, you're redesigning it. And I get it too, right? And this kind of gets back to, you need to make something else so that it can be, have a mold for the injection molding process. So it probably kind of has to be redesigned in total anyway. And that's just kind of what happens. Um, 
But it's like, oh man, I can't wait to see the new Highlander. It's like, you dumb motherfuckers. We already have one. <laughs> yeah, I we- like, um, my, my favorite thing to look at right now is the Atlas. Because oh, one of the man. biggest complaints is the Fatless from the original sculpt, you know? And it's oh, the, the, so, the, 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 the Plastec yeah, one? Yeah, the Plastec one. Yeah. To me, it's so funny because I'm like, man, we're doing a complete 180 back to the Plastec Fatless yeah. now. I'm not, I, do, I don't like his new Atlas. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people are kind of on board with it. Like, one, it's not even just like, okay, the Autocannon 20 is mounted kind of high, which is kind of weird. What's nice about it is that and I, I pointed this out to him. I was like, oh, man, you finally fixed the fucking missile launchers. <laughs> it's been a problem for 20 something, you know, 30 years. So originally the, the, the original TRL-325 art, the Atlas has the LRM-20 launcher on the hip. It's a five tubes that fire rapidly. And the SRM-6 yeah. launcher is high in the chest. And then with the 3050 art, for some reason, it's got like two LRM-10 racks in both you know, left and right torso for some reason. And it's been that way in the art forever and ever. And when every resculpt of the Atlas has had that for some reason, even when, um, uh, what's his name? Drew, Drew Smith, Drew something. And Drew did a lot of the new miniatures that went like in the early 2000s. Like he did the new Timberwolf, the new Direwolf, the new Warhawk, um, and the new Atlas. That was like the third or fourth sculpt Atlas. And a bunch of people pointed out to him, was like, you know, that's not really how it is, right? Like, this is a chance to fix it. And, you know, honestly, um, Drew was a talented sculptor, but he was really, he's not active anymore, so I feel okay saying it, but he was kind of a bitch. Like, <laughs> he was, he had a really delicate personality. He did not take criticism well. Um, and he actually, he had like, this was over at Lords of the Battlefield, which I don't even know if it's really active anymore. And I think he maybe had moderator controls over there, and he would like delete criticism for his artwork. Yeah. Um, and his, his sculpts. And it's just one of those things like, no, dude, I'm happy with everything you've done. It's just, this is one thing that you should fix. Like, this is an opportunity to fix it. But you know where it was fixed? The uh, the anniversary box set for Battletech. When they put that Atlas out, they changed it. They fixed it. They did? Yep. If you look at it, it actually has an SRM-6 launcher in the chest and the LRM, uh, LRM-20 launcher in the hip. Um, but yeah, so, so Anthony's Crockett's fixed that. Which is really cool, but you look at the rest of it, it's like, man, your proportions are kind of weird, and like, why are you doing like the Mech Warrior Dark Age armor panels with X's everywhere? Yeah, it. Because I remember, and this, this kind of goes back to it too. When you know, Mech Warrior Dark Age came out, everyone was like, oh, look at these cool sculpts, and they're pre painted. Look how awesome these and things are. And now we all laugh at and them. And now it's like, this is terrible. And that's the thing like, I'm worried about. Like, okay, we're going to redo all the art, and in 10 or 15 years, we're going to be like, man, this stuff is crap. Yeah, the, that brings me into. Um, the Mad Dog. The Mad Dog is one of my favorite clan mechs to run. Uh, I I never like run a Timberwolf, but the the thing that bothers me about the Mad Dog is he kind of went for the that Mech Warrior Four look on the, it. This, this short arm. And I yeah. I never ever like the Mech Warrior Four felt like one. It wasn't a simulator, and two, it felt like they were all a bunch of toys. Well, and that, Scroggins has mentioned that. That's where he got a lot of influence. Yeah. From. Um, like the Nova Cat and other other designs, but it's just it's one of those things. You can look at some of the designs he's done, and the ones that hew more closely to the original art tends to be the best received, um, which I think is really interesting. Um, like I think his Orion looks good. You know, we've had a couple different sculpts of the Orion now already, um, but I think his Orion looks good. Um, I'm not happy with his Hatchet Man. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of like. 
hit or miss with it. I kind of feel like the rounded cock was it the rounded cockpit yeah, he did yeah, on yeah. it. I think it kind of killed it. I think it, it looked better when it was more like squared, a- angular. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I I mean, it, it's not going to make or day, break it. You know, it's his call. Um, but, but like um, the grasshopper, I'm, I'm meh yeah about. Um, thank, <laughs> thank you for keeping the arms up on the fire moth. Thank you yeah. so much. Well, and that kind of gets back to the the. You we have this this cohort of, of BattleTech players. They're like, "Oh man, these things look so silly." I do my Donald Trump voice. <laughs> it looks so silly. It's sad. Um, the fire moth shouldn't have arms like that. It's like, dude, those armor panels are just too huge. Too yeah. huge. Um, but it's like it's one of those things. Like that's one of the most characteristic designs out there. Like you you take away those arms, which is already established in the universe. It has even a quirk for it. It's very unique. You, you take that away, and then what do you get? I mean, you get a, a, a faster mislinks or something like that. Like, it just, it, it's, you lose something that makes the mech unique. He, he told me every time I complained about it, he was going to move the arms lower, like a couple inches, like yeah, a miniature yeah. scale down or something like that. It you know, made me laugh. <laughs> well, and it's one of those things like, you know, the, even though Anthony is, is the, the art dude, it's still a collaborative effort, and the, the developers, still have final say so like if he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he had like up in photoshop and there was a layer that he just turned on or off to flip the arms around to show it and I'm sure Ray was like no no they gotta be up they gotta be up you know full stop regardless like it, the, I think that using the fire mouth is a good segue to show like how much change could be a good or a bad thing yeah because yeah. the fire moth, if you were to flip the arms down, I mean, it, I I think it would have just taken away. Like it, it might be dorky, but it's the iconic look of the mech, like you said. Yeah, yeah. The same way, like let's say, like somebody didn't agree with the box pods on the Timberwolf. Mm-hmm. Like if they wanted to take that away, like people would be up in arms about that. Yeah. No pun. <laughs> like you know, like look at um, the summoner. Maybe if somebody had a, a center mounted cockpit or something, or like that. the the wonky looking arm on the like the left side of it. Like, yeah. why would they do that with it? We need to set it the other way. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, and it it's um. I remember when uh, Project Phoenix came out, and personally, I would have been happy if <coughs> that was when they retconned everything, and those were designs were how they looked from the beginning, and I know a lot of people will say they, they dislike a lot of those designs. Um, I'm one of them. I know a lot of those designs have, have changed over time. So, for example, there's that new Crusader 8L that came out a couple years ago when the TROs and Ironwind has a miniature for it, and it's yeah. very well received. Um, but you kind of have to look at it and, and say, okay, this was at a time when... Okay, so I know a lot of a lot of people have come out and they've said, oh, we should just get rid of those designs altogether. They've been a blight on the Battletech history. They just need to go. But it's like, no. I mean, if you look at like the first 10, 15 years of material written for Battletech, I mean, those, those designs are everywhere. I mean, they're just, they're just everywhere. You know, everyone piloted them. They showed up in the fiction. They showed up in the artwork. And so to not have representations, you know, it's like... It would be a lot of work to actually remove them. Right. It's like, it's like removing, like, the fucking, you know two of the four gospels out of the bible right like yeah 
<laughs> I mean, what do you well, do? What, the parts like people usually remove from it, well, we're not going to go into that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or ignore. And, and so, you know, you're also in this position where they wanted to finally plug this hole in there, or at least try and attempt to plug it, but they had to avoid having Harmony Gold jump on them. Like, what happened every time they try even approaching those designs? Like, back in the 25th anniversary, they thought they had the okay for from the original license hoster, ho, uh, holders, Tetsunoko and Big West. They thought they could do it. And so they put that 25 years of art and fiction out. Yeah. And then Harmony Gold jumped on them. And and so, like, in retrospect, like, you can complain how much you don't like the Marauder or the Phoenix Hawk or the Crusader or the Archer, but like, they were able to actually like, make those miniatures and make them look close enough that you could say, yeah, I could see that being a Marauder or a Warhammer. That can, that can fly. Or the long, I could see that being a Longbow. And actually get get past Harmony Gold jumping on them, and that was probably actually a, a, a really difficult thing to achieve. And I think Chris Lewis probably gets a lot of grief. And Chris Lewis was the same guy that did a whole revamp of the Omnimex in the early two thousands. Yeah, I I love it, and that that's where part of my beef comes from because you can actually order Omnimex parts yeah. that work between all at least most of the designs because it seemed like even when they were designed they were split by weight class so your yeah. light class all the parts would work together your medium class yeah. heavy like well, that there, there was a bit of an issue so when the Timberwolf Warhawk and Direwolf came out um, Drew Smith sculpted those by hand and the rest were then done by CAD with Chris Lewis and Ironwind um, and I kind of wish Someone brought it up, and it was probably he was probably right to kind of bring it up, and maybe it would have been a good idea if they actually did just go right to it and did did CAD of the Direwolf Warhawk and Timberwolf, um, but that just would have been just another sculpt for Iron Wind. Um, but you could, you know, Iron Wind had said, okay, we're going to take these CAD models of the individual weapon systems, and we're going to make parts of them, and you can get them off the Iron Wind Metals website, which is f- fucking brilliant that you could do that. Um, they did have some issues with the original versions of the the. Hellbringer and Summoner they put out the legs were the legs were apparently proportioned according to the TRO 3050 because there's um, both a head on and a side view at the end of 3050 yeah. for all the Omnimex um, but for whatever reason like actually in miniature form it was just too big and so Ironwind then went ahead and they did uh, a reduced scale legs for the Hellbringer and Summoner. You know can you imagine if getting back on the Kickstarter if they actually released the original Omnimex but in the packs it came with all of the different parts to do the different variants of it like yeah. man they really they really missed the mark with that I think yeah and it would have been cool if, if we considering were it's a lot easier with like CAD programs and stuff today yeah. I think one of the things I would have liked to have seen is and it, you know what honestly too I, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you it's again okay. yeah. it's kind of like um like Warhammer 40k, how you could put the different weapons on all of the miniatures. Yeah, yeah. They could have totally done that with the clan mechs. It would have been, it would have been nice foresight that it's it's just one of those things that gets ground what we've already trod on. And although, I mean, you can argue argue yes or no whether these designs look better. I the Timberwolf looks good. I prefer what we did back in 2000 with what Chris did with the old Timberwolf because yeah. the new ones it's a little bit taller and the torso is a little bit more squat. And I like more of the it's more squared. Yeah, I like the the more the elongated predator appearance of the old Timberwolf, but I mean Chris uh, Anthony's new Timberwolf looks fine. You know, I just don't think it looks so much better that people are like, finally we have a good looking miniature. It's like no, no, it's not. Yeah, you guys are are just. 
it's sort of like a placebo effect. Like you're just excited about it because it's new rather than it definitively looks better. Like, I mean, granted, yeah, I, I think his awesome looks really good. I think if we got an awesome based off more closely to the 3025 art versus what we, what we had all those years, it would maybe be a different story, but his new awesome looks really awesome. Um, the commando looks really good. Um, the catapult, eh, maybe. I still, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of like the tall bird-like catapult from 3025 and that original miniature that came out. If, yeah, the original miniature was cool, but I felt like the legs could have been downscaled just a little bit. Yes, yeah, so I, I personally like the really long legs. Cause I, well, because I have this image in my head of like, you know, think again, like it's a bird. Um, yeah, like perched on the like, hillside. Like, 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 yeah, yeah, like jumping and like grasping it, uh, like a rock with its with its feet and like perching itself yeah, while it launches missiles. I can see missiles. where you're coming from with that. So something about that just like really strikes me as something that's really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, to kind of to kind of backtrack, like I, people were really quick to show on like Chris Lewis for the stuff he did in, in Project Phoenix. But it's like, there was a reason why they did that and the way it looks the way it does because it was, how close can we get without getting Harmony Gold jumping on us? And I, people are very quick to not appreciate that. Just as they're quick to not appreciate how expensive it would be to do a complete line revamp. Well, the idea was we now had miniatures to fill the gaps for yeah. new people coming in because yeah. that would be their marauder that they'd yeah. see. And I think I think his stuff that stuff looks it does look good. And I think when we saw it, I mean, I when the Battlemaster was on there when they released that artwork for uh, was it Interstellar Operations? And then campaign operations had the Marauder, the throwback to yeah, the, and then they started throwing it on like the box set. So it's, yeah, like when when that uh, Battlemaster came out or not, or uh, Total Warfare. I mean, there was no question like how close that was to the original Doug Ram Bigfoot that became the Battlemaster. Yeah, they basically just took it and like slummed it. They just changed a little bit of proportions yeah. here and there, but like you saw, you like you knew exactly what that was. Mm -hmm. Like there was no messing around. Um, I think what's funny is that. Um, you know, having looked at the on-model artwork for the Glog Officer pod, which became the Marauder, and the Tomahawk, which became the Warhammer, and the with the Defender that became the Rifleman, I actually really like what Luce did when he redid those for 3025. Like, there are little changes there that you, you don't really appreciate because it wasn't consistent. In the old um, books for Battletech, a lot of the artwork for the Marauder was like straight from Robotech, like especially the cockpit design. Yeah. And then when Luce did it and when the, when Charette illustrated or sculpted the miniature, um, those proportions were changed and that Marauder ended up having like a much more boxy cockpit rather than like the two sort of circles for windows and things were much more square and angular. Um, so it's just like, that's an update I really liked. And like, is that kind of what Scroggins is doing? Or is he maybe pushing a little bit too far? And like in 10 years, we'll be like, oh, we need to do it again anyway. He's subject to the same criticism people gave loose. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like he, yeah, he's subject to the same criticism. And it, again, it's it's one of those things. It's not his skills. It's just his design choices. That, you know? Well, with a lot of it too. Loose had to come up with it on his own. Right. Think about it. I think, I think Loose once said that the Hunchback the head was actually supposed to be full of sensor suites and the actual 
cockpit position was actually in the chest. There's like a little slit in the huh. chest that was supposed to be the cockpit location. Well, like the assassin with the dual cockpit. It was supposed to be a dual cockpit. cockpit. Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. It's, it's, it's interesting, like what he was actually thinking. Um, but yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just interesting that uh, I think people are stuck with the judge and, you know, trash the old art without really an appreciation of context or the expenses that would have been undertaken. Um, there's a couple of really interesting videos up on YouTube by people who have done sort of how injection molding works. And, you know, of course, we're in a day where there's CAD modeling, which can, can quicken and speed things up. But, you know, originally, if you were a, a pattern maker, I mean, you were making these things out of like a stable hardwood like beech or maple or something like that. And you were making these things exactly by hand and they would be put into a form that would be a, then that would be your master. And then you'd get your injection molding for it. So you get these machines that cost, you know, millions of dollars and you've got the molds which cost thousands of dollars each and they have to be structured in just the right way so that they'll release the mold properly and there's a reason why all these these parts are in china and they're not in the us because um it's the the cost difference is is, is so great that very few people few companies could afford to start something here um but you know to say okay you know battletech you know you've got to do this and you know, I can't imagine like the loan Catalyst must have gotten to put that box set together because those are really good miniatures and they're really good looking and they're really good quality. But, you know, obviously to do what they're doing with, with Battletech right now is not, with the Kickstarter is not an expensive process. No, definitely not. Let's see. We should probably see where we're at right now because we've been rambling for a while. Not long enough, man. So much more to talk about. I feel like we only just sort of scratched the surface. I know. Tell me about it. Ah, 53 minutes, 54 minutes. We could probably go on a little bit more. Yeah. What else we could touch on? Well, I, you know, it kind of gets back to sort of the, the grit of the old artwork. And I do feel like it's kind of missing a little bit from what Scroggins has done. Um, but then again, like these are sort of TRO images he's done. These, these are not like battle scenes and stuff in the art in like the old well, books i always forgave loose for the line art because when i would look through it i always imagined that this was because you got to pay attention to kind of the era too mm. i kind of feel like it was kind of you know like the manual you had for mech warrior 2 yeah. where they had like the little illustrations on the side that were like hand drawn by mm. people i always thought that that's what he was trying to achieve with it mm. when he was originally coming up with that art yeah well it's funny because i like the rough appearance you know, that that artwork has in the sense of like it hasn't been properly inked and colored. Right. Like it's just like the pencil art and there's lines that are kind of going off. You can tell aren't actually part of the miniature, but they're they were there because, you know, he was drawing with like a straight edge. And yeah. You know, um, but, you know, that's also a, a time when, you know, again, art was expensive and Battletech was first starting out and they went up to lose and said, hey, we need like a hundred drawings of design. <laughs> There's 55 mechs in the original. You mean you want tanks too? Yes. Yeah. And and I uh, who did who did the aerospace? Oh, Dana Houston. Was it? Some someone else did the aerospace, but I think Luce had to do. He didn't do the dropships, but he did the lambs. He did the vehicles and the battle mechs. And so you were looking at like. 70 80 ish that's, that's about all of it <laughs> yeah and then you have the aerospace fighters and the drop ships i think done by the aerospace dude and say so, okay we need to pop out all of these 
here. And granted, some of them are taking and tweaking or existing designs, but, uh, you know, you're still looking at a good chunk of designs. That... And then to do 3026 on top of that. You have, to, you have to get a little tired after a while. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean, to be fair, like you flip up some of those, some of those old books and like, yeah, some of that art's rough. Like, I think someone released a treasure trove of like old art that they had stored from the old books over at the Fossa headquarters. And a lot of it was taking like artwork from one spot, cutting it out and then taping it onto like a background, another piece of art that was taped. And then it was all just Xerox together. And that was like the layout and it wasn't even like a, a fresh drawing. Um, but like some of that, some of the characters in there, like, yeah, that's rough. It's not super, super skilled. Um, there's character like, like I remember the old city tech box set. Like there's people sitting around a bar playing cards. Yeah. You know, and it's not like very anatomically proportional, but you get the feel for what the universe must've been like. Yeah, they're like trying a to shoot wild for. west mad max kind of feel yeah i think the art actually portrayed what they were going for back yeah then yeah and it's it's funny because i i um i will say that i don't i don't i'm not a big fan of what scroggins design choices were with some of the the people that he's he's illustrated yep i was i was just gonna try and get us to segue into that too <laughs> i got you man all the tattoos and oh god yeah that, that's, face that's paint thing. and talking about like artwork that i guess, I guess well. we can get off of max right now yeah yeah because it all kind of fits in the aesthetic, and you could tell in a lot of the uh, the old artwork, a lot of those guys are big fans, of like Ralph McQuarrie, or who did a lot of the the concept illustrations for Star Wars. Oh yeah, there's a lot of pop culture references yeah. in the old art. Or uh, Jean Giraud Mobius, who did. I mean, if you guys ever want a good like two hours to spend, you know, probably one of the best documentaries you guys can watch is Alejandro Jodorowsky's Dune. That was like the science fiction magnum opus that was never made. And the super group of artists he put together ended up doing things like everywhere else. Um, so Dan O'Bannon did, you know, Alien. And then Mobius did like a million other things. So um, the, all that stuff's kind of seeded throughout the artwork. But um, yes, yeah, so speaking of stuff that doesn't age well, like, oh, this looked cool back in the day. Like, no, no, it's, it doesn't anymore. Like if you flip through a time of war... And the Time of War companion, a lot of those character models with the tattoos, like you're just like, why the fuck is this? What were they thinking? <laughs> well, I mean, I I am a fan of enhanced imaging tattoos, though. Well, yeah, yeah, those are cool. <laughs> those are cool. But yeah, like the the the, the yeah, because I know like when they were doing the art, where they like, the guys when they were doing a Time of War, they did the illustrations, like yeah, it looks really cool. It's like, man, not even a decade later, like five years later, like. These dudes are assholes with all these tattoos. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Why don't we have any like hipster models? <laughs> like, it just, you know, it's you just, it's just, it's, it looks so bad. It's so two thousands, and it's, it's not even that. It's like it's even behind the curve, because there's a YouTube channel called Inked. And it's about a bunch of tattoo artists talking about tattoos all the time, and like they're even like, yeah, you know, all these tribal tattoos or these geometric patterns or tramp stamps, and like this stuff. I mean, people getting these tattoos now, like, this fell out of style 15 years ago. Like, barbed wire around the bicep. Yeah. It's, it, it's terrible. It's terrible. What the fuck were they thinking? It was edgy. It was cool. It was the fucking shoulder pads of the 90s. <laughs> yeah, but the 80s had the mullet. The 80s had the mullet. <laughs> 80s had the mullet. You're right. You're right, man. No, it didn't look good. But, like, 
don't know. I don't think people ever thought it looked cool. Did they? Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you look at a lot of the old pro wrestlers like Shawn Michaels back in the day, rocking that mullet and the yeah. braids, and there's a there's a it kind uh, of found its way into BattleTech. Yeah, there's some, there is some good BattleTech artwork with some pretty bitchin' mullets. <laughs> yeah, the per- the periphery one sticks out the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it looked like an Iron Maiden album cover. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, like the character designs and stuff. Um, yeah, like the universe fit those designs. Well, look at the coolant vest. Yeah, that's a big, that's you know? a big one. That's a big one. I mean, I, I understand, like, yeah, we probably don't want the person to be, like, almost naked in the cockpit, but I think the the one that threw me off, what was it, the Solaris one? Or was it the... Well, there was it, it was the one you didn't like either. There was discussions like, the Neuro Helmet and everything. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so, you know, like I mentioned in the first episode, you know, I'm a veterinarian, so I've got... Uh, you know, a fair amount of, of knowledge when it comes to medical stuff and, and technology and equipment and how you how you do stuff. And, you know, things are always going to change and things are always going to advance. Um, but, it, you know, you're strapping basically a functioning EEG machine, like electroencephalogram machine, to your head. That's got to be able to scan your, your brain waves and your inner ear for balance and it's and it it's got to take that all that information and has to function and it has to be robust enough and combat ready enough that a knock to it isn't going to suddenly send it out of whack and out of calibration you mean it's that big clunky helmet that sits the, over your shoulders yeah the big clunky helmet and you that's know, not realistic right <laughs> and on top of that you you're, you're you're building it in a world that has you know decreased technological expertise like yeah it's a thousand years in the future but guys if we lost a microprocessor plant you need to have like a microprocessor to make a microprocessor right like it it, if you're if you're that deep in a production you you need what you produce to produce that yeah like it's not as ridiculous as that sounds yeah it's just so you've got to make electronics that are robust enough and the other thing too is the helmet actually has to protect you still you know because you're still getting knocked around in the cockpit and so you know it's got to be sure it helps against whiplash yeah well it keeps your head (laughs) secure but yeah so the idea is like oh we gotta get rid of the bulky helmet or you know you're you're talking about an era where you know your your you know technology's decreased you're zipping all across you know in space taking contracts um you might not be on a planet that has the ability to produce, you know, really fancy, you know, cooling microtubes to fit in your jumpsuit while you're in your cockpit. You're probably going to go on just a fucking Speedo because <laughs> that's the way it works. And I think just to be like, oh, man, it looks so ridiculous. Like, this is like the... the, the... Look... We've also seen the people who play Battletech and other tabletop games. This is like, let Battletech have some sex appeal. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Let's pretend we're all good-looking individuals. We can all fit in Speedos and not be embarrassed and go in our cockpit. <laughs> I have no shame. Like, like, just let us have a little bit of sex in this universe. <laughs> right? Like, you flip through the old manuals and you're like, oh, man... 
that female mech warrior pilot, she's not wearing. All I have to say, she's is not wearing I a top am, to that bikini. I am just glad cool vest. that Stefan Maris wasn't a mech pilot <laughs> in the bib. <laughs> uh, we'll leave it on that note. <laughs> well, I just I feel like we only kind of scratched the surface for the art, and I think it's just it's one of those things like the game has a history, right? And it doesn't mean that you can't go beyond the history, right? But it, I don't know. It's it. I feel like. Um, it feels as though a lot of the fans are very quick to throw everything out very quickly because they're just like, oh, it's not as cool. It's not cool anymore or whatever. And it's one, it's it's not cool or uncool. It's the universe. And I, I think it provides a charm and a character and a depth to it that it wouldn't have otherwise. Because you could easily just put everyone in jumpsuits and be done with it. But, you know, I think it's. The universe works as a whole for a reason. And I think if you just quickly throw everything out because it's not modern, I think you're just going to shoot yourself in the foot. I think the perfect way to sum up our argument about the new art in general is... Is how just... super Superman has underwear again on his outside? <laughs> sure. Because that, that came back. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. I just, I just don't want to see it get too generic. That's a worry. That's a worry, too. And I... When when I criticize, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah, you you can say part of it is nostalgia. I I think it is fair to throw that word out there, but you know, I, I guess we can end it on that Marauder too. When you look at something like that, yeah, you know, and it wasn't just like people like us criticizing like he got a fair amount of criticism for that that move yeah yeah and to the point where he had a a rant about it yeah 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 you know and yeah. it's like a lot of the at least like my comment was like why are you going to rant like you want criticism but then you're going to rant about it when you get too much of it yeah. And blame it on nostalgia. Well, and, and, and to be fair, too, to, to Scroggins, is he's doing all of this on his own. So a lot of this criticism is being thrown his way. But he's the only one doing it. And so that's kind of... I'm, I'm just saying, I'm not doing it to get, like, personal with him about it. Well, right, I, right. I, he's a great artist. Yeah. You know, but it's just, it's... I feel like it just don't want it to head in that direction the Marauder 2 went into. Yeah, yeah. I could forgive a lot of the other ones, like like the um, the Mad Dog. Like it, it still bothers me, but I I could forgive that because I still see the Mad Dog in that. I don't see a Marauder two in that Marauder two. Yeah, yeah, it's it, uh, it, 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 I I think the Marauder two and the Atlas are missing the mark. I it just, it's funny too because I I looked at the Behemoth he did, it looks great. All he all but he did was like it's like he took the, the original cannons. and just took the gauze cannon, copied and pasted another one next to it. You know, because the, the stats didn't match the miniature. And it, the miniature it's didn't fine. Match the stats. It looks fine. Um, I mean, unless it's a dual small laser, maybe they updated maybe it's it. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just, it's it's just funny too because it's yeah, it, you know, we're here, and I think the, the thing too is that it's kind of frustrating because I, I thought about increasing my pledge amount for a while at Patreon for him and now I've thought about just getting rid of it all together because um, I don't really care to see stuff anymore before it, it's coming out because it, it doesn't really seem to make a difference to me and um, on top of that he's not it's just sort of like uh, he's not really taking criticism, criticism or critiques like the most input he's getting is like do you prefer cockpit one or cockpit two 
And it's like, well, that's not... What if we don't like both? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have to change it, you know, too much. I mean, maybe it'd be, maybe it'd be different if there was more of a, a wall between us in the sense of, like, here's a new, you know, Phoenix Hawk. Here's the new Atlas, and that's the way it is. Yeah. Um, and we'd be done with it. So and, I'm glad he's not doing that. I'll I'll give that to him. Yeah, and I just it, it's funny because you know I think this is like the third time I've mentioned fighting games on this. Um, <laughs> when Killer Instinct, Killer Instinct came out, the developers participated heavily on the uh, the message boards. So there was a lot of uh, communication between the devs and the player base, and the devs would often show up to uh, tournaments. And they would either commentate or they would just because it, not only did they they they, they weren't just. They weren't just developers; they were players too, um, and they were actually really interested in seeing what the community had to say. Um, but then, very quickly, the community started turning very, very toxic, and I think it's uh, it's a blight on the Killer Instinct community, and it's a blight in a way that Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter or King of Fighters or other fighting games they don't the developers don't interact with the fans that way. Definitely, the Japanese developers don't interact with the fans that way. Yeah. But uh, the Killer Instinct guys did, and it really burnt them out because the fans, some of the fans got, I mean, legitimately toxic. Like, legitimately, full-on, some of them have come out and have openly stated that they regret their behavior um, because it, it was really bad. And, yeah, I don't want to see that happen to Scroggins. Um, I don't want to see it to the point where it's just like, man, you fucking suck. Um, you're an idiot. Why'd you do this? Um I think that's where Battletech's different because if you think about it, Battletech has always been sort of community driven yeah. from the beginning, which is why the box set rules have not honestly changed. Yeah. And a lot of the subtle changes that did happen were things like in Total Warfare that were almost community driven. I mean, yeah. there were even some changes in Alpha Strike that were community driven. I mean, we even had input on it. Yeah, yeah. And they changed one of the rules for it and threw it in the errata right away. Yeah, yeah. There was some, there was some good stuff. Was I that did, the vehicle critical hits? Yeah, that was. Yeah. I, I, you know, we 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 had done it and we had talked about it and I had posted it, and it was, they, we, they they went right with it, which yeah, was cool. It was that X. Like you had to do two rolls, and we were we were like play. It was something maybe that was missed in like their play testing. Cause I don't know. Maybe yeah. they didn't run a lot of vehicles, but well, we were. Yeah, like the odds of the motive damage was fair enough anyway. If you just went to the run, the one roll, which was like okay, cool. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, and I, I, you know, I, I don't want to see the the community get toxic about it. Um, I don't know. It, it, it maybe it's more of a moderate stance of not not grognards, but like. The old art is that way, and it has a lot of value and worth, and we shouldn't just toss it out. Um, and we shouldn't just jump to criticize everything Scroggins does. Um, but, I don't know, just there's, I don't know. You, you don't want to make a toxic environment either way, but I, people are very quick to run away from established stuff that's, there that's enriched the universe in a way that um, I think a lot of players maybe don't recognize that are so quick to jump with, with new artwork. You know? And people just wanting everything in plastic can eat my ass. <laughs> well, the, the reason I got in on the Kickstarter was I was under the assumption that 
where we're going to have metal versions eventually. Yeah. And I, I forgot, I think it might have been Ray who said that it was something that they actually planned on doing. Yeah. I, I mean, granted, it's not going to be probably within like the next five years. Oh, I hope it would be sooner than that, man. It, it would be nice, but I mean, this is Battletech we're talking about. How right, long right. has Ill Clan been in the works? Well, hell, man. <laughs> well, that's one of the things that. Delays, delays, delays. You know, the, you know, and I wonder too is if if Iron Man were to put out a bunch of new miniatures, would the fans be excited enough to buy them? Like, would those actually would new miniatures actually translate into sufficient new sales that it's worth doing? Um, I like to think it would, you know, because I think a lot of people got really excited about you know the Timberwolf or the new Orion or the new Highlander. Um, well, there were when they redid the like we talked about the thirty fifty Omnimax when those are redone, there were a lot of pictures of. I mean, people were buying them and putting them on the table. Well, yeah. Yeah, you know, and it, the appeal was that not because they looked new necessarily, but because you can mix and match parts. Yeah. And well, they, they, they did look a lot parents. better than the original thirty fifty. Oh yeah, stuff, they you know. did. Um, you know, it's one of those things. I think people are quick to wanting to build you know huge armies and getting all the miniatures. Um, but you know, BattleTech is a is a it's an intimate game. You don't play with company v company or battalion v battalion. I mean, you can, um, but who has the time anymore? Yeah. So you don't need a whole lot of miniatures the way Thank you Thank you, Alpha Strike. Yeah. You don't need a lot of miniatures the way you, you would in, say, Warhammer. Um, but I just, I, you know, I find it funny is that, you know, if people want all these things in plastic, like, how do you sell them? What does that look like? And, you know, people are very quick to drop 15 or 20 bucks for a MechWare online 3D printed model. Some of them look better than others. You know, some of them look terrible with all the, you can see the, the lines that the printer has injected out. Um, but they don't want to spend you know twelve or fifteen bucks for a metal miniature, which has better detail and it's just better quality all around. Because it's it's, it's I'm doing air quotes here more expensive. Yeah. Um, so I just think it's funny um, that that's the case. But uh, I mean, I would love to have a lot of those miniatures in, in metal. I think they would look really good. I to tell you the truth, I because some of them are in metal already, and it, it would be interesting to see a side by side between both of them to see yeah. which one of the details actually come out a lot better on. Well, I know with the plastics, because of the way the injection molding works, is that you can't have a lot of really hard edges. Everything's got to be slightly eased and slightly curved. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that that's a big deal, and there are different plastics that provide better detail. Um, a former player, and I get the reason why he left the game, and I actually talked to him a little bit before he left, which is kind of a bummer because he's a really he was a really cool guy. Um, his his form handle was Colonel Bosch. Oh yeah. Um, you know, he was really big into ogre, and uh, talked with the guy who I think Steve Jackson who did a lot of stuff with ogre. And there was a plastic that he used that that really held the detail and could have like, those really sharp, crisp edges. But I don't know, man. It still doesn't compare to metal. And I think people are complaining like, oh, it's so heavy. It's like. Do you even lift, bro? <laughs> like, it's not that heavy. Did you, did you ever handle the lead miniatures? I mean, you hear them thunk on that table, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is satisfying. <laughs> right. It's it just, it's, it's, they're not that heavy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just not like you're picking up two pound weights and moving around the, the game table. Like, it's just, get over yourselves. Um, Some of the arguments are pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I, I think people who still push for plastic, even though you tell them, you know, what costs go into making it. Um, Personally, I'm in the middle. I, well, yeah, well, I, just, I'd I like those, both. It's just one of those things like, I don't think Battletech has the player base, even if it expanded, I don't think it has a player base to justify 
a massive switch to plastics. And it's just, it's for lower production numbers, metal's the way to go. And because of that, you do have such a wide variety of units that you can pick up from Iron Wind. You're, you're not going to get that. You, you know, I mean, I mean, there are hundreds, man, hundreds of miniatures, right? I mean, you go to Iron Wind, like, and there's even variants available yeah. in different stuff. You can't do that if you do plastic. Um, I mean, I would love to see, like, for the Kickstarter, for, like, the Marauder 2, if there were to be an option where you have the dorsal cannon LB-10X, or you don't have that, and you have a chin-mounted large laser from the 325 yeah. version. That would be great. That would be That's awesome. That's what I'm saying. Like, if they sold the 3050 boxes with the separate parts for yeah. all the variants... Like that, you could switch awesome. from a Warhawk Prime to a Warhawk A. And then like all you need to do is maybe, you know, they tell you just, hey, get some super glue and some metal filings or some green stuff and plug that hole where that LBX cannon popped in with that peg and tenon, that tenant more and tenon set up. Um, yeah, it would have been really cool to to do that kind of stuff. Um, I think it's a missed opportunity. Yeah. It would really it would really help out the the whole clan thing. Well, my, my hope too is that the Kickstarter is not going to be the end of the player base. You know, I, I hope it's not going to be like everyone who's got a Kickstarter is pretty much everyone who's going to buy that game anyway. And there's, you know, they'll be sitting on the shelf because, you know, the Alpha Strike box sets, I know you got a whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Those sold out. The, the warehouses were empty, but, uh, you know, they were sitting on a lot of gaming store shelves. They, they, they sold out, but they didn't move. We, hey, I bought all of them, but we used them. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's one, it's one of those things like, like, you know, just because, you know, the distributors bought out Catalyst stock doesn't mean that the distributors then sold the gaming stores and doesn't mean the gaming stores then sold it to consumers. So there's a big chain there. And it's one of those things I hope that just because you're able to produce it in plastic, you know, to make it economical in plastic, you got to pop out, you know, thousands of these things. And then if you're going to pop out thousands of these things, are you going to sell the thousands of them you need to sell? And I just don't, I just don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know if Battletech has that player depth. It'd be nice if it does. I'll be happily surprised if it does. Yeah, I'd, I'd really like to see that happen too. Yeah. I think we're... Um, they were good? Yeah, I think we're good. All right. <laughs> cool. Well... A little bit more than a month behind, but... Uh, I don't tell me about it. Life happens. Life. What happens when you're adults? Um, yeah, we will hopefully see you sooner rather than later for episode four of... The Memory Core. Uh-oh, can't put in my password. I'll have you cut this part out. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm leaving it can in. Can you leave it in? <laughs> Shit, come on. <laughs> hurry up, hurry up, hurry up.